One time I was uh, a small team of people deep, deep in the Ukraine, kind of like an Appalachia region of the Ukraine, and we were told that we were invited to a home that evening and walked through the village and dogs are barking and starry night, cold, starry winter night, and came to the edge of a swamp and it was a shortcut. They, t they took us and we walked across the ice. We came to this little house on the edge of the swamp, all the light from the inside shining out onto the snow, yellow light. And when they opened the door, you got hit with the smell of borscht and body odor and kerosene and, and old style living. And we went in and we didn't speak the language, but we knew we were welcome. And uh, just inside that door, they had us sit down at a long wooden table. And these were poor people, hard working poor people. And they were so delighted to have guests. Not just that we're Americans, but you could just tell that they loved having company. And hospitality is a great equalizer. It doesn't matter how poor you are. You can be rich in the way you treat your guests and the way you welcome them and love them. And, and we felt loved up one side and down the other. They just were so pleased to have us there. And, and the food train began to come and didn't stop for the longest time. And, and we'd learned that you don't point to your belly and tell them you're on a diet because that doesn't make any sense to them at all. In fact, it's an offense if you refuse because you're refusing their ability to provide. You're, you're refusing their value. You're refusing an honor. And, and there's something that... Um, there's something that is ministering to them if you receive it the way it's been given. And it's given full-hearted. And, and they, you can just tell the big calloused hands. It's, it's not a lady's job to do hospitality. The, the men are serving. The men are there. The men are making sure you're comfortable. And, and, and they stand around the table watching you eat. And they're, they're saying, easty, easty, which means eat, eat. There's more. Eat. Don't, don't. Don't slow down. Eat. And it's, it's, you could just tell that they love it. And uh, I'd, I don't think I'd ever been treated that way before. Such a welcome and such a, a generosity from such poor people. And uh, if you just politely sip your soup, it's not enough. They want, they want you to slurp it. They, they want to hear it. They want, they want your nose to run, you know, because it's hot, piping hot soup. And they, they want to see that you're, you know, you're breaking the bread. You're really enjoying it. You're not just being polite and contained. And Put your elbows on the table. Lean into that bowl of borscht. They want you to enjoy it. And we learn to find a, find a way to give back to them by really enjoying their food. And you could just see something that dad, the provider of the house, his heart swells. Americans in my house and 
they like my borscht, and it's green borscht, it's special borscht, it's not everyday borscht, it's made with spinach. And we found something out that night that I didn't know. It was a revelation to me. The more we received their hospitality, the warmer they got, the more animated they got, and then they invited us into the next room. And I don't know that I had been in the next room of a house like that before, but it's their special living room. And it's very costly furnishings and carpet. Everything else is plank floors and plank tables. And this is uh, carpet on the walls and, and, and uh, uh, special figurines. And, and the things that even, even packaging from things that someone had given them like toothpaste packaging and shampoo packaging that were empty, but it was something that had been given to them. It was something special. And that was in their fine cabinet. And uh, so we went in and we sat on these overstuffed couch like schoolboys. We're sitting there. We didn't know what was going to happen. And then they come in and they sat down and, and their kids brought out the violins and brought out sheaves of paper upon which they had written their poetry. And these little kids just took turn entertaining us, reading poetry and singing songs and put a little quartet together and, and the parents are just beaming because their kids can read and their kids are wanting. There's nothing shy. They don't have to push them. They don't have to twist their arm. Their kids want to present a song. And I, I, I remember just drinking that in and never could I recall ever being in a home before where I felt like that, where I experienced something like that. It was, there's no television. I've been in homes where the television stays on while you're there and their eyes are darting to the television then back to you and then back to the television, back to you. I had experienced that, but I, I'd never felt so honored and, and it was just one of those great, great moments. And I learned something that night. If you smack your lips at the poetry and you smile at the violinist and take it in and they can tell that you're receiving that level of hospitality then they'll take in the next room I'd never been in the next room before the next room was a different kind of room it was where they prayed and, and they'd sit around and, and they opened their hearts and took turns telling us what it was like living under communism, what it was like to have their dad taken away to a, a gulag, and what it was like uh, having secret police come to their church, come to their house. And, and it, it progressed into stories that boggled our minds, stories we'd never heard before, uh, punishments and, and uh, things that the government did to them that were just horrific and I don't think they would have ever told us those stories if their hearts hadn't been open, both in the giving and receiving of hospitality. A, a connection of the heart had been established by slurping borscht and by nodding and smiling at the little girl who's reading her poetry. And, 
and it caused the parents' hearts to open to us. And I'll never forget the moment when little kids, moms and dads, aunts, uncles, all the relatives, everyone who was there, would all slip down on their knees on that hardwood floor. And they'd all sit down or kneel down on their knees and go into a time of prayer like I'd never heard before. And they let us in. They let us, they let us into something that was so holy, so special. But it really started with a thing called hospitality. And we see it in the Old Testament. We see it with guys like Abraham. He three, stranger, three strangers standing off in the distance looking at him. And he runs up to them and says, can I wash your feet? Can, would you come to my house? Please come to my house and let me give you something refreshing for your heart. And they said, all right. That's interesting. If you love hospitality, you can give it and you can receive it. You don't play coy. You don't put it off. You don't dismiss it. There's something about receiving it. There's something, it takes something to be able to receive honor without it going to your head, but letting it go to your heart. And they can tell the difference. And these guys went along with it. And Abraham, he runs and he's in charge. See, it's a guy's thing. It's not just, it's, it's not just cupcakes and scented candles. and It's not just frilly napkins and, and placemats. It's not that. It, it's a guy thing. It's the, it's the head of the house that gets into it. And Abraham, he says, you know, he goes to Sarah and tells her how many meals of grain to, to prepare in the bread and gets the best calf and gets milk and gets cheese and honey and he comes and he presents it and they receive it. They actually take it. They eat it. He doesn't realize that they're angels. They're not even humans. They look like people, but they're actual angels. You see where the writer of Hebrews said, careful how you treat strangers because they might be angels unaware. Because it not just happened that time, it happened several times in the Bible that you just treat people with honor and you find out that it's Jesus. You didn't recognize that it's Jesus. You know, they're walking on the, or it's an angel, but they're rock, walking on the road to Emmaus and it looked like Jesus was going to keep walking. They didn't know it was him right away because he looked different. And it looks like he's just going to continue down the road. And it's evening tide. It's the end of the day. And they said, don't, don't walk any further. Come on. Come stay with us. Complete stranger. Come stay with us. And so he did. Why? Because he loves hospitality. He's a giver of hospitality. He's a receiver because it's honor. The, the currency is honor, and it's pro profound. And so Jesus actually goes into the house and sits at the table, and they pass the bread to him, and he takes it, and he says, let's just bless this. And he breaks it, and right away they recognize, we've seen someone do that before. It's Jesus. And when they recognize it was Jesus, instantly he disappeared. It's the risen Christ. Come into someone's house. And it's not the only time in the Bible we see the risen Christ Invisible Christ becoming visible and not being recognized, looking different than what we've normally seen him to be. Showing up in people's houses. Even asking, says, do you, what do you have to eat in the house? 
<laughs> one pulls out a honeycomb out of his pocket, the other one's got to broil fish, and they give it to him, and he eats it in front of them. It's hospitality. I think when he went to the wedding, and, and Mary said, he comes to Jesus, his son, her son, and says, they, they've run out of wine. They don't have any more wine. Do something about it. <laughs> I don't even know what she was thinking. I thought, I've thought long and hard on that. She must have known he could do something miraculous, but she's never seen him do a miracle. This is his first miracle. So we don't, I don't understand what she was thinking. But Jesus ordered the servants to fill the jars full of water and then had them take it to the master of the banquet. And he sips it and his eyes get big because he can't believe that anyone would do this. He said, everyone else, they give the good stuff at the beginning, but then when there's a point where you can't discern good or bad or you can't, you know, you've had so much to drink... That's when they bring out the chintzy cheap stuff. But you, and they honored the groom. They turned to the groom, who had no idea what was going on. No one was saved because of that miracle. No one was healed because of that miracle. The, the currency was honor. And Jesus honored the groom, and Jesus was honored by his disciples by saying, we saw something that was water. When that was, taken to, when that was taken to the guy, it was water. When it reached his lips, it wasn't just wine. It was aged wine. It was beautiful wine. Smooth wine. Beautiful tasting wine. Because whatever Jesus does, when it comes to hospitality, he does it the best. The best. You give your guests your best. I've learned that so many times in, in my travels. It's only been recently in all these years uh, of traveling that I've even stayed in hotels. Almost all my travels, everywhere I've gone, everywhere I've been, I've always stayed in homes. And even, even now when I go into the poorest places, I prefer to stay in homes. That's where the life is. That's, that's where you taste, you taste something of Jesus and the hospitality I remember going to a house in India, and it was a little old widow. And uh, they put me in her house, and, and she came trembling with a cup of chai. First time I've ever tasted chai. If you've never tasted it before, and it's your first one, and it's made by a little old lady from India. It's awesome. And then the night went on, and she brought out her food, and she wanted me to, to see her garden. And her garden was just the most fragrant flowers I'd ever smelled. And she just wanted me to stand in her garden and just smell her flowers and enjoy. I'd never seen a house in India with a backyard like this before. I ended up, I, I spent a lot of time in that backyard. And it was bedtime. I'm looking around, and I see the sun, I see the little old mother, I see two beds. So I'm wondering, where am I gonna sleep? How they, how they, where are they going to put me? There's, the house is just a little mud hut with two beds. And it's room and board. The bed is a board with uh, an old quilt to soften it. And I watched as they start to get the kerosene lights to turn down. And I find out that she's given me her bed, which shocked me. I didn't want it. I didn't want to even know where she was going to sleep. You're entering into something holy. 
And I realized this woman, this old woman's giving you her bed. And uh, it wasn't until the next morning where I found out where she slept. And, and she, slept, she slept outside. And uh, there's a reward for hospitality. And they know it. And there's the moment where you're about to leave. And, and, and she comes and she puts herself in a position where she wants you to lay your hands on her head and bless her. And that's the currency of hospitality. And I remember putting my hand on her old great head and pouring out a blessing. My heart had been tripped. My heart had been so moved. My heart had been touched with love, with honor. And so I just gushed. I just gushed. I, I prayed every blessing I could think of upon her. I wanted her to be completely blessed. I was so surprised the next time I went to that village to stay. I, I had pictured that I'd be back in the same little mud hut again. And when I got there, there's this great big two-story house, brand new two-story house. And there's a little old lady at the door to greet me. And I said, whose house is this? And she says, it's mine. Jesus gave it to me. Jesus gave her a brand new house. She said, you prayed that Jesus would give me a new house. See, he's into hospitality. He loves it. In fact, he went to a house one time, and there's a woman, she comes in, and she's kissing his feet and, and pouring ointment on his feet and wiping his uh, feet with her hair. And Jesus looks over the fat old Pharisee who's sitting there kind of smug, kind of indifferent. He called him Simon, must have been his name. Simon's looking down his nose at this woman and looking down his nose at Jesus and said if, in his heart, if he was really a prophet, he'd know this woman's just an old sinner, prostitute. He wouldn't let a prostitute touch her. He says, Simon, when I came in your house, you didn't wash my feet. See, Jesus is into it he sees, he notices, he notices what you do in your house when you have company. Jesus sees. He said, I noticed you didn't wash my feet. I noticed, Simon, you didn't kiss me. I noticed you didn't take any olive oil and anoint my hair. It gets dry from the sun and dusty from the journey and Jesus noticed all of those things and called them on it. Because hospitality is this currency. It's currency of the kingdom. It, com it communicates. It communicates honor. It communicates love. It communicates so many things that are subtle things, valuable things, valuable things to the king. Job, he, talk about men loving hospitality, Job said, I never saw a stranger walking in the street that I didn't invite him to my home. Job. Job was big into it. Because there's a reward. There's something satisfying. There's something powerful in it. Jesus said, I'll tell you what, how you receive people is how you receive me. And there is a reward even for a disciple, how to receive someone in the name of a disciple, there's an actual reward that's involved with it. When we have guests come in for conferences and that kind of thing, we should be fighting over them. 
come to my house. No, come to my house. Jesus had to put down a rule on his disciples. He said, whatever house you enter, stay there. Don't let anyone fight over you. I added that. He didn't say that. But I think that's what it's about. People, there's a tug of war. We want them to come. We want them to come. We've even got better food than you. Come our way. I've had that happen. And he said, no. I remember Jesus saying, no, you stay. You get in the first house and you stay there. And you let your peace come upon that house. And, and you can bless, you can leave a blessing in that house. I just know that if, the, if there's someone sick in the house, some kid that's sick, or I just know Jesus will touch them. It's part of the currency of hospitality. It's part of the currency of the kingdom. It's part of it. I just know if I'm there, something's going to happen. Something is going to happen. Because Jesus said, make sure you leave a blessing in that house. And they'll fight over you want you to come. I went to church this morning. I went to a big church in Syracuse. Nobody washed my feet. Nobody kissed me on the cheek. Nobody anointed my head with oil. I walked in the church, I stood around, I made myself available. Nobody greeted me. Nobody asked me my name. Nobody said a word to me. I saw one guy at a distance mouth the word morning. Good morning. But I was looking at him. That was just in my, his response to me looking at him. I think, I think, especially at this new beginning for us as a church, I think we should do something different when strangers come. I think they should be treated royally. Not to get but for the privilege of giving. I'd like to see a whole new system put in place where they know they've been honored and they know that they've been greeted and there's been more than just one person, but they've been, they've been touched and they've, prayer has been offered and coffee's been extended and we make sure that we want them to come back and there has to be a way to do this there has to be a way to communicate honor. At the same time, you can't communicate honor to strangers at the expense of creating security and a, a, a sense of safety for the people that are already our guests, the people who come week by week. And it's an odd tension for us to be able to say, okay, let's treat the stranger royally because it's all through the Bible. It's all through the scripture. I mean, it's big in the sight of God. How you treat strangers is huge. There has to be a way to do that with love. There has to be a way to do that. Peter said, honor all men. Honor all men. There has to be a way to extend honor. Not to get. Not to get their address or phone number. Not to get demographics or their zip code. Or their cell number or anything like that. There has to be a way to communicate something of real hospitality. 
because people are hungry for it. People don't even know what it tastes like, but they know when it's there. They know when they've tasted it because it just does something to your heart. You feel wanted. You feel valued. You feel honored. Every heart is hungry for that. That's why Peter said, honor all men. People are hungry for it. James said something interesting. He said, you know, if a rich man comes in, don't give him the preferred seats in contrast to the poor man who comes in and you say, here, you sit over here. So it doesn't, it's not honor from people that you can get something back from. He says, no, he says, you honor all men. You treat them all the same whether they're rich, whether they're handsome, whether they're professionals, or whether they're just needy people. There has to be a way to communicate. But I, I got looking at that section of scripture the other day, and I realized that they had some kind of welcome team who actually placed people in their seats. Otherwise, they would never have been able to say, you sit here and you sit there. There must have been some kind of some kind of a welcoming system in place in those early churches where the person just didn't walk in like I did today and just sit wherever you want and, and be anonymous. There must have been some kind of way where somehow you're greeted and you're, you're taken in into a place and be seated. See, there's, there's American hospitality, then there's Mediterranean hospitality, or there's... Um, you know, hospitality of, of, of first century hospitality, Oriental hospitality. I don't know what to call it exactly. It's the hospitality of Jesus' time before him. I think when we go to heaven, we're going to be really surprised at the hospitality. I was just reading it the other day. I just finished a book on heaven and, that I wrote. And, and, and you know what? You don't just roam around heaven everywhere you want to go. There's angels that escort you. They're called hosts. And they escort you everywhere you go. And they answer your questions. And I've been reading books of people who've been to heaven and come back, and they say, uh, and you can read it, John, John, he's being escorted by an angel everywhere, and, and John says, what does this mean? And the angel would tell him what it means. Because you just don't roam around heaven going wherever you want to go. You're escorted. Why? Because it's that old-fashioned, Abrahamic kind of hospitality that makes your guest feel welcomed, makes your guests feel secure and safe, not just lost in the crowd. So when you go to heaven, you'll taste hospitality that will blow your mind, that will communicate to your heart, you're valuable, you're wanted, you're our honored guest. Security is part of it. You see, in the Old Testament, where, where a man, he would even put himself between him and uh, violent men, to protect his guest. And you see that in, in uh, Muslim culture today. Once you're the guest of that person, nobody can touch you. You lay down your life for that person because they are your guest. It's, it's, it's part of the fabric of their culture. So we can't have just a complete open welcome without some degree of security. We have to have it. These days, you just have to have it. There's times and seasons for everything. Even in the Bible, when Jesus, the, the living Christ, the invisible Christ, became visible and stepped into a room, walked through a wall, stepped in the, in the disciples' rooms, 
he, it says, John says, because the doors were locked. Some people have a hard time that we have to lock the doors these days. It's just part of hospitality. Not that we're trying to keep people out. We want you to relax. We want you to not be distracted. We want you to truly be able to close your eyes and worship. We want you to be able to concentrate on the message. We don't want someone just coming in that you don't know who's just roaming around in our building and you're wondering where your kids are. Are they safe? That's not hospitality. There has to be a degree of security for us to really, truly be able to present hospitality. Peter gets out of prison, goes to the house. He names the lady. I forget her name sitting here, but he goes to the lady's house. Everyone seemed to know. And the door was locked. And he's knocking on the door, and the, the lady didn't even open the door. She said, Peter's at the door. The, the door was locked because that was the season that they're in. That was the, the spiritual climate of the day. Seems like every time we have an issue here where someone comes in, it just seems like that week, it just seems like my memory is that almost every time we have an issue, some church has been shot up or some school has been shot up by somebody. They've shot up an Amish schoolhouse years ago down Nickel Mine. It's just a crazy day. It's just a different day. And we just want our guests to be able to hear be at peace and receive. And so if we have to lock the door partway through the meeting and be discriminate about who we let in, we will do that as part of our hospitality to you. I think that's right, don't you? I don't like it, but it's a fact of life these days. Before church this morning, I went to a restaurant. I like diners. I like old, greasy diners where they call you honey pie. I like, I like old diners where they call you sweetie. I like old diners named after Susie and Bertha. And I like those places. So I found one named after Susie, and I went there. And here's what I found. It was a good omelet, a Greek omelet. But they were so busy, they didn't see me, they didn't talk to me. I did get the one sweetie from somebody, or somebody, I heard it at least, and so, uh, but they just spilt, spilt stuff and slopped things and slopped my coffee and, and grabbed the money and grabbed their bill and, and they were so harried, so harried that it reduced the hospitality. They were just getting people in and out and we've got to be careful. You know, Jesus goes to Mary and Martha's house, and Martha is so harried and so anxious about serving that she's angry at her sister for sitting there when she's got dishes stacking up and she's got meals to bring out. There's 13 guys. Don't you know we got people to feed? And she's all anxious. And Jesus, listen now, Jesus calls her on it. He says, Martha. Martha, you're anxious and worried about many things. And he called her on it. says, your sister, she's chosen the best thing, the, the, the eternal thing, the thing that won't be taken from her. But I just, think, I just think he went after, it's not just serving, it's not just getting the food out, 
It's not just getting the food out. It's, it's the manner in which it's done. And if, it's, if the hair is hanging in your eyes and you're, you're not able to really engage the person and you don't really see them, you just kind of get the food slopped out in front of them and, and get it done, it takes away from the sense of honor. It takes the sense of anything special, any, any connection, any oneness. Corinthians, they had a meal. They had a, a love feast based on the Last Supper that Jesus had. And they would bring out the food. It was bring and share, just like we do. And then they'd go through the ritual imitation of the Last Supper of communion, breaking bread and drinking wine. Except there's a group of people who got there early, and they ate all the best stuff, and they ate so much and drank so much that they got drunk. You can get drunk on food, you know. Where you're just sluggish and stupid. And Paul, when he heard about it, he said, What? Don't you have homes? Don't you have food at home? Don't you have homes to eat in? They went for the food and missed the hospitality. They went for the food and missed the honor. They went for the food and missed the fellowship. It's possible. It's possible in our our own times of meals together that we miss the whole point. (laughs) The point is not eating. The point is not getting full. It's not getting a free meal. The point is how we communicate the grace of God to each other. That you look at the person across the table with you and you you take time and you engage and how are you and, and communicate value and communicate honor. That's, that's the real feast. That satisfies a hungry heart. And he says, don't you realize there's poor people who brought food to the banquet who didn't get a chance to eat? They went home hungry and they're saying they don't even want to go to church again. You've despised the poor. You've brought shame on the church. Paul wrote to them, 1 Corinthians 11. Why? Because they, they, got, they, they got so far off hospitality and they've reduced it all to food. And it can happen to us. Tell the person next to you, it's the hospitality. It's not the food. <laughs> it's the fellowship, not the food. We just happen to fellowship around food a lot. We do. You can say, well, you're because you're fat. Well, no, it's not just because I'm fat. I am fat. I'll tell you, I'm working on that, though. I really am. I'm not interested in food. I'm interested in seeing people connect. Connect is a medium. Connect is a way, or food is a way to do that. And if you want to see it, just, just take a, a food study just in the four Gospels alone and see how many times food is mentioned in relationship to Jesus connecting with people. Because it, and it's not food, it's hospitality. Hospitality connects people's hearts. Hospitality connects people's hearts. I think it's possible that a stranger could come to Wellspring, not, not ever really getting anything out of the message, not really being a big fan of our style of worship, but they shake their head, they go out there, they say, I'll tell you what, my heart says 
My heart says I'm full. I feel like they like me. I feel like they value me. I feel like they want me to come back. And if we can get them, if we can get them from there into one of our small groups, whew, the chances of them ever leaving has been greatly reduced because there's something so special in our small groups of honest, heart-to-heart -heart sharing and genuine care for each other and genuine love for each other. If they get there, they see the inner workings. This here, this here is just the thing that kind of, it's on the front end. Boy, if we can get them in the next room. Then if we can get them in the next room after that, maybe into one of our prayer meetings. That's the sweetest place to be. Maybe if they get to a prayer meeting. I doubt they'll get to a prayer meeting. I doubt they'll get to a small group if we lose them on the, in, the, in the kitchen. This is just the kitchen. The better stuff is in the smaller rooms. But they won't get there unless they feel valuable. And it can't be left to the professionals. I had a guy one time, he says, yeah, you treat me nice, but you get paid too. You're the, the, this is your job. I remember thinking, I think I'm nice. I think I'm nice without getting paid. I'm not, I don't think of pay. I want to be nice because that's the way Jesus is. That's kingdom. Let's shine in the area of hospitality. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Christians, different times, he said, excel in hospitality. He wrote to the elders of the church, and he said, make sure you major on hospitality. It's a powerful, powerful tool in the hands of God. Amen? Now, how do we implement this? Well, I've already talked for a long time, so I'm going to stop. Uh, for a few minutes, and, and we have a choice. Uh, and we have guests here, too, who may not want to hear the inner workings of our church. But if you'll give me 15 minutes to create a vision for you of what I'd like to see us do as a church over this next period that we enter, I'd like to explain to you something I have in my heart of how we can actually take people from the parking lot to the pew and back out again in a way that they truly feel and they've, they've connected with the Lord. And I, I, have a, I have a desire, I have a vision for that. I'd like to explain it to you, but I'll, I'll give you the option if you need to leave, because I've already spoken my time. And uh, if you want, I'll call you back at 6.30. See, it's almost, it's a little past quarter after now. And at 6.30, I'll call you back, we'll just come back to sit, and we'll give you an option to sign up for something where you can participate in hospitality in our new phase of life as a church. And of course, I'd like to see you all sign up. I'd like to see you all involved. Our guests, we're glad you're here. You're welcome to sit and listen. Uh, you'll see me blush a little bit because I'm, I'm gonna be talking about you. Gonna be, and, and you can test me on it, see how well I did. Um, but I don't, want, I don't want what happened to me today to ever happen to anyone else again when they come to Wellspring. And I have a plan. I've shared it with about 20 people besides our leadership team over the DH recently to get them to, to consider becoming part of a team. But the more I got thinking about it, I thought I really wouldn't be satisfied with 20 people 
hearing the, hearing the concept of hospitality and creating welcome teams, hosts that would look after our people when they come, I want the whole church to hear it. I want you all to say yes to it. I want you all to buy into it. So I'm going to stop talking. At 6.30, I'm going to take up the mic and call you back. And if you just be seated, just for another 15 minutes, I'll create a vision for you and then give you a chance to sign on for it. Okay? All right? Why don't you stand up and greet each other? If you want to get the kids out of the nursery, you can. If you want to greet our guests, you can do that. And then we'll call you back in a few minutes.